The views expressed on Teacher Vision are those of the interviewee and interviewer and do not represent Screenlight Allies as a whole. Each sold separately, batteries not included, adults assembly required, and other disclaimers on television you've heard all the time apply here as well. Hi, and welcome to Teacher Vision, where everyone has a different vision of learning, episode number 36. My name is Jose Briseño, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode of Teacher Vision by Screenless Allies. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for your support. And as always, please share with your friends. Please share with anyone that you think might find these episodes entertaining or educational. And this next series is going to be very educational. We have covered the teachers of the visually impaired. That is, the teachers that work with people who are totally blind or visually impaired. But now, how do these blind people know how to walk around and use canes and such? Well, this is where we're going to cover another topic that is related to blindness, and that is orientation and mobility. What is orientation and mobility, or O&M for short? We're going to begin an interview series with Mr. Christopher Tabb, an orientation and mobility instructor here in the state of Texas, who was gracious enough to provide us with an in-depth interview about orientation and mobility in general and today we're going to cover what is orientation and mobility and we're going to find out more about chris himself all that and some corny jokes along the way right here on this special series of teacher vision by screenless allies but first it's time for your teacher vision tech tip where we make your technology life a little bit easier by giving you a hint or tip on how to use it. Whether it's computers, whether it's mobile devices, we have it all right here on the Teacher Vision Tech Tip on Teacher Vision by Screenless Allies. Welcome to a special edition of the Teacher Vision Tech Tip. This will be divided into several parts, though we're not going to cover a lot about this device. We're only going to cover the basics. Yes, we at Screenless Allies received a device to review for our website, and the text review will be coming soon. We're just going to give you a couple of demonstrations of this device and what it does. Today, we're going to be talking about the Chameleon 20 Braille display. Now, for the sighted people out there, this is a Braille screen. You hook it up to your computer, and from your computer, you can control it using this little device. Think of it as your screen, so to speak, except that instead of with the computer keyboard, You can control it with Braille. We're going to be just looking at some of the features that it has to offer and offer you some tips on your best experience with it. To start off, we're going to discuss the orientation of the device, and then we will look through the applications, not in too much detail, but just enough to get you started. Let's start off by taking out the device from your box, if you have one. And we're going to orient it with the Braille keyboard facing up. This device is about the size of an iPhone 12, actually, with a couple of inches to spare. So, we're going to start off at the front and move from front to right to back to left. So, on the front of the device, you have what they call the thumb keys. These thumb keys are labeled from left to right in order. We'll start with the smallest one first, which is previous. The one in the middle is left, then the home key, which will take you to the main menu from anywhere in the chameleon, then right, followed by next. The previous and next thumb keys move you up and down through menus, while the left and right thumb keys move you back and forward after you're done reading a line on the Braille display. Now, the previous and next thumb keys have a little line on top and bottom, respectively. That is, the previous thumb key has a line on the top 
and the next has a line on the bottom. So that way you know which thumb key does what. Also, you have a line going to the left, on your left, and right thumb keys, respectively. On the right, we have two buttons. The first one is the volume down button, and the second one is the volume up button. These are designed to control the voice in your device, which, yes, this Braille display has a voice that will talk to you through other applications if you so choose to use it. Above that is the headphone jack, which right now is currently being used to connect to my mixer and able to bring you this recording. On the back of the device, at the very left, because there's nothing on the right, you find an SD card slot. So yes, you can actually store files in here. So if you were working on notes or if you were working on reading a book, you can store these on the SD card or the internal storage of the device. On the left, you have a few things. You have your USB-C port, which is used to connect to chargers. This port is also used to connect to a computer. Below that, you have the power button and an LED indicator is between the power and the USB-C connection. And then below that, you have a regular USB port that you can hook up thumb drives to. You can also use an external keyboard with a device and control it that way. On the top of the device, we're going to find the Braille keyboard. Now, to some people, they'll freak out because they're used to seeing a QWERTY keyboard. Well, this one has a regular Braille keyboard. So that is dots one, two, and three are on the left, followed by the backspace key, and then dots four, five, and six, followed by the enter key. That is on the very top back. Below the row keyboard, you'll find a set of buttons. There are 20 buttons in this row, and that is the cursor buttons. So think of it like your mouse, but for Braille. Whenever you find a mistake, you can press the corresponding button above that Braille cell, and you can manipulate it by deleting it, or whatever you want to do with it. And below that is the Braille display. It has 20 cells. So you can read 20 cells at a time, and when you're ready, you can press the advanced thumb key or the right thumb key as they call it. I call it advanced because on older devices, the name of the thumb keys was previous, back, advanced, and next. We hope this teacher vision tech tip was helpful to you. And now on with the show. Chris, thank you so much, good sir, for joining the podcast today. Welcome to Teacher Vision. Thank you very much, Jose. Wonderful to be here. Well, thank you, good sir. So let's start off with some of the simple questions before we get into the, you know, hot seat, very interrogating questions that will require an interrogation chamber. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself in general. Well, most people that know me probably start off with, oh, he's the guy that tells those awful jokes because I have just really awful corny humor, but I enjoy it very much. I uh, enjoy orientation and mobility and assistive technology. It's different than a job. It's it's like a hobby. It's something that I just love doing. I'm usually geeking out on some new technology. I, I love talking about anything from traffic lights and truncated domes to different kinds of canes and cane tips. My wife is an orientation mobility specialist, and we just talk about O&M all the time. I do have have some hobbies. I have to uh, eat things that are different because I have celiac disease, so I can't have things that have gluten or dairy. So my food interests are usually things that are gluten-free and dairy-free, and so that creates some interesting scenarios for going out to eat. But I enjoy cooking because a lot of times I have to make things at home. So desserts or different things for dinner or lunch just have to be made from scratch sometimes. So it kind of is a, a, a necessity, but it's a fun hobby because you get to eat what you make. Right. So yeah, outside in the restaurants, I can imagine, you know, do you have anything that's gluten-free and everyone's like, uh... Yeah, if they ask me if I want to roll with that, I know they didn't get it. So... <laughs> 
We did actually have somebody say to us once we asked if the, their items were uh, gluten-free and be safe for somebody with celiacs. And, and the lady said, I will be happy to tell you that as soon as you tell me what gluten is. <laughs> so um, yeah, just the way of it. That is crazy. So obviously nowadays you prefer to cook by yourself, though. So that way you won't, you would avoid all these problems. There are some places that I can eat. There's some barbecue places that are safe. Sometimes I have to exclude certain items, but barbecue is something that just makes my mouth water from miles away. So there's still some places that I can go and have a safe meal, but we do a lot more home cooking than we do going out to eat. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know what they say, barbecue is good and uh, barbecue is not good unless you wear it. I tend to wear a lot of it. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, you definitely, you know, you're not the one with the boring jokes. Honestly, I, I can say for the listeners, I actually got to work with Chris for a couple of days. And I realized through him that I learned via humor. I think my own O&M learned from that. So he took his lessons and made them more humorous for me. So, Chris, if you had any kind of impact on that, I appreciate it. Because you made well, O&M more fun for me in high school. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. In fact, I, you know, we haven't talked for some time and I was going to tell you a story about somebody who had a dog who brought a stick back from like two miles away. I wasn't sure. Sure. I, I think that's a pretty far-fetched story. <laughs> yes, sir. That's, that's a good one. I love it. See, and I tell, okay, quick, a quick corny joke before we move forward as well on my end. Did you know that I have a pet newt named Tiny? <laughs> you want to know why I named him Tiny? Why'd you name him Tiny? Because he's minute. That's why. <laughs> awesome. You'll hear a lot more of those guys. Don't worry. To the next question of, are you totally blind or are you fully sighted? Well, I'm not legally blind or totally blind. For all intents and purposes, according to the law, I would be considered fully sighted, but I still need help matching my clothes because I'm colorblind. That's about the closest I, I get to being in that category. Before I leave the house, my wife or my son will have to help me to remember if what I'm wearing is appropriate. So I try to dress in things that are black and white or gray and white, things that are just very basic colors. That way I don't have to worry about it. Well, I'm more colorblind than you are. So it is... <laughs> It ends up working out just fine. And well, I, I live on my own too, guys. So like for all I know at work, I could be wearing, you know, black and blue and I might not even know about it. I'm always amazed by some individuals who are totally non-visual, who know so much about colors because they know how color makes other people feel. They'll say, well, I wanted to wear my yellow shirt today or my whatever color or something because they know that when they wear that, people respond to them in different ways. So having an appreciation of color doesn't have to be about having vision to even see the color. It's just that you know how that color makes other people feel and you have an interest in that. Right. Well, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So in, let's go back to when you were a kid. Back when you were a kid, way back in the day. You're not old. I probably don't sound old to me. So <laughs> you're very kind of a thing. <laughs> well, you know, I feel weird when I say when I was a kid now because I'm 27. So it's like when I was a kid and it's just like, geez, I feel very old just talking about this yes, kind of stuff, you know? We have to keep redefining what old really means the older we get. We yes, sir. That out yeah. Now I can't even tell my own OM instructor because I make the jokes with him of, you know, he'd always say, Jose, when I was your age, and I go, did they have that back then, Mr. Smith? And <laughs> you want to walk down Highway 207 today, buddy? Because we can get you to walk down the highway and there's no traffic lights on there. So you better figure out, you better better watch it bud because i'll i'll take you down there i have no problem with that so 
So for sure. So tell me what made you just in general, what made you want to get into teaching? What made you decide, man, I want to be a teacher of some sort. I don't know that I ever had that dream, Jose. It happened all by accident. I think my mother thought I was going to be a teacher, but it wasn't necessarily my dream. It happened by accident. I was actually digging ditches as a, a plumber's apprentice before I got into college, into special education. I had graduated with a degree in psychology in my bachelor's, the undergraduate work, and thought, well, I'm going to try to establish a a different profession. And so I went to learn a trade. And while I was doing that, that's when I got information about the master's degree program in special education that led to orientation mobility. So it it was pretty much an accident, we'll say. It was just another way to extend learning. But once I got there, oh my goodness, I've just fallen in love with the career and and the people in it. And uh, it's just wonderful. Wow. So you didn't have any, you know, because I've seen like, on some of the interviews, if you guys listen in, it's like I had a cousin who's blind. I had X, Y, Z who's, you know, visually impaired or, you know, so on and so forth. But you just stumbled in on it by accident because you were looking for something else that was a little more higher paying. Is that is that correct? Is that, is that what well, I, I actually became the plumber's apprentice to do something that would would make a little more money. And while I was digging ditches as a plumber's apprentice, the university sent a flyer that said, we have a program that will allow you to get a master's degree in special education if you're willing to work in the field for two years. And uh, just kind of like some people go into the military and they get what's called the GI Bill so that they can use that military service for an education, the federal government was willing to help me to become an orientation mobility specialist because there was a need in the field. And I didn't know what orientation mobility was at the time. I just thought, well, okay, uh, I'll try to get a master's degree at that point. Didn't have any children. Life was a little bit easier to go back to school. And so I did. Wow. Why did you pick orientation mobility over, let's say, a physical therapist, over uh, other special ed fields? I was very fortunate that they were offering the the program of study for orientation mobility where the federal government was going to help pay for it. So just as an example, it might cost you $40,000 to go through a master's program or a doctoral program. I don't have a doctorate, but something like that. It would be tens of thousands of dollars at many universities. So if somebody's willing to provide that for you to get that post-secondary and graduate level education, that's quite an important contribution that the federal government made. So that's what really got me into the field. I had no idea what it was. I'm just so excited to be able to be in it. Right. Well, that's awesome. Well, now that you're talking about what that you didn't know what it was back then, tell me what is orientation and mobility? And is that important for someone who's solely blind or visually impaired? Well, to to take it to the nth degree, some people wear a t-shirt that says O&M is everything and everything is O&M. And so if you, if you kind of break that down a little bit, the O in the orientation and mobility, the O is is orientation, knowing where you are, where you want to go and how to get there. The mobility is doing that safely, which is up and down stairs, crossing streets, escalators, elevators, traversing different travel environments, whether it's rural or urban areas, metropolitan downtown areas. Cliffs. All of Cliffs, yes, there's for some people, that's part of their mobility. When we think about people who have climbed Mount Everest, for instance, there's all sorts of orientation mobility, whether we're using trekking poles or a long cane. Wow. Okay. Well, actually, when I thought of cliffs, I was thinking more of like, you know, how to jump off a cliff and you know, all that good stuff. Well, but. And, and some of the some of the summer programs, there's lots of different things like a ropes course where you are actually, while you're tethered, you're rappelling, but you're going off a cliff, but you're doing it in a safe manner. Oh, that'd scare me. <laughs> Honestly, that would definitely... You know, I, I'm totally blind, but that would still scare the heck out of me. Not going to lie. 
but it definitely well, makes we, sense. It definitely makes we've sense. We've even had we've even had students jump out of airplanes uh, with with parachutes, of course. Uh, <laughs> right. So there's all sorts of things that uh, when we start to open that world up and to begin to adventure, all sorts of things that we can get into. It definitely makes sense. And I like how you describe that. I really never thought of it even myself as a, as a student, because every time anyone asks me, what's orientation mobility? I'm like, oh, it's just cane, it, you know, teaching people how to use the cane and how to travel safely. But I never thought of it how you describe it. So I like that. I like that explanation. Hopefully you can write that in a book if you ever decide to write one in the future. Well, I'm sure I'm sure I hijacked it from somewhere, Jose. The, the field of O&M uh, includes things like concepts for people to understand the difference between, let's say, wood and glass. Because if I touch something that's going to be a landmark, I want to know if it's wood or glass so I can come back to it. Some people haven't learned those basic concepts yet. So it can be something as simple as that, or it could be something as complex as crossing a multi-phase intersection with accessible pedestrian signals, planning how to go through different areas with roundabouts, all sorts of advanced, uh, like diverging diamond intersections. So we can go from very basic concepts all the way through to very advanced intersection crossings. Oh, I've been there, done that. Well, actually, the farthest I've gone was a traffic control intersection, but that is, I know there's probably more than that above a traffic control intersection. Three ways. So. They keep making new things every day. Describe for me the process of becoming certified in, in O&M. We're going to refer to it as O&M from here forward. So there's two different routes to become an orientation mobility specialist. The most common is a master's degree program where typically people will get their bachelor's degree. It could be in anything. My bachelor's degree happened to be in psychology, but there's art majors, business majors, history majors. Basically, you have a bachelor's degree. Then you go into a master's degree program to go more in-depth into areas of special education, to learn about uh, eye conditions, to learn about working with people from different cultural backgrounds, to learn about different physical conditions like diabetes or other systemic conditions, charge syndrome, so that we can begin to understand the whole person when we work with them. The visual components are very important, but we're dealing with people who may have other conditions that impact their ability to travel. We need to learn about people who are younger, infants and toddlers, up into senior citizens and those that are in very advanced ages, because typically you may be working across the age span. Some people specialize just working with children or adults, but we don't typically know that while we're in college. So we're learning how to work with people across the age span. There are some people who, instead of getting a master's degree, will go through a bachelor degree program. There's, I think, just one, maybe two universities at the moment who offer that. Most universities are offering only the master's degree program. When you finish that program, you basically have done your college work. Then there are certifications that can happen beyond that. Some states, like Texas, require that in order to work with students who are school age, you have to be certified through uh, what's called the Academy for the Certification of Vision Rehabilitation uh, and Education Professionals, or ACVREP, and you would become a COMS, a Certified Orientation Mobility Specialist. There's also another certifying body, which is through the NFB, the National Federation of the Blind, where you would become an NOMC, a National Orientation Mobility Certificate. Different types of programs with different focuses, but they both have training components that have uh, require you to be able to demonstrate abilities in certain areas. The ACVREP includes a test. Uh, so you have some requirement for doing an internship as well as doing a test. You need to demonstrate your knowledge in certain areas, kind of like a medical doctor 
taking a test to become a licensed doctor. Different than licensure, this is just certification, but same idea. Under the NOMC certification, you would be conducting a certain number of hours under blindfold. That's typically blindfold training happens in both programs, but there's a much greater emphasis placed in the NOMC program of blindfold travel, non-visual travel, as well as non-visual instruction than there is uh, for the Certified Orientation Mobility Specialist or the comms. Gotcha. That definitely makes sense. Wow. Are you certified under both programs or just the comms program? Just out of curiosity. I am, I am just certified under the comms program. There are some people who have both certifications, but I just have the comms. Thank you for listening to this episode of Teacher Vision by Screenless Allies. Did you enjoy what you heard? We encourage you to look back at our past podcast episodes, which are equally as awesome as this one. If you want to know more information about Screenless Allies, we encourage you to visit our website at www.screenlessallies.com. That is S-C-R-E-E-N-L-E-S-S-A-L-L-I-E-S.com. All one word. Want to keep up with our happenings? Like us on Facebook facebook.com slash screenless allies official all one word want to get in contact with us for any reason whatsoever email us info at screenlessallies.com also please share with your friends and others that might find screenless allies beneficial and fun thank you for listening and we will see you next time